1: You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians, for estheticians, and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys, and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the treatment room. This is Lauren and Tess. Hi, guys. (laughs) Welcome back. So today we're going to be talking about what we didn't learn in school. So basically the things that we think were super important that we learned after the fact. Um, And I think we're going to start out today with a little weekly recap and a highlight from our past week.
1: Sounds amazing. Okay, I'll kick it off. I think my highlight of the week was going to the Northern California Face and Body Show, which is a big skincare convention, and it was my first time going. So I know you've been to these, Lauren, and a lot of people at my work had been, but it was just so cool for me. I felt like it was the adult summer camp of my dreams that was just like, it was like you walk in, there's all these booths showcasing what's new in skincare from technologies to new products you can try things you can watch the demos you can volunteer to get a facial my favorite thing though was the classes I think that was really like where your money is best spent I mean of course you want to walk around and see everything but the classes to me exceeded my expectations I don't know how were the classes in the in the times that you've gone Lauren yeah, the classes
0: are amazing. I couldn't agree more because I feel like continuing education is so important in our industry because the industry is ever changing. So, to have that that access when you go to um when you go to a show like that, you have all the product like you said and all the new innovations, but also to hear from industry leaders and even other brands like skincare brands that you can learn more about their individual product line, I think is it's like the best thing ever and it's so fun. And that's, I mean, I froth on this stuff. I love to learn so much more about skin, like at any chance that I can. So yeah, everyone that I've been to has been
1: awesome as well. I wish I could have taken you. You'd have loved it. Mark Lee's class was incredible. And what was interesting about that class, I'll say is he, he was like, these skincare shows are the places you will actually see like a certain type of acne and it was so true and I've realized this about myself because estheticians tend to develop this type of acne he was talking about um, where a lot of times it's an acnegenic reaction and it's inflammation in the follicle the oxygen gets cut off and you get these little papules that are like just very tiny like kind of all over the face. And this is something I've struggled with for a while. And I've never really like understood the science behind it. But it's, it's estheticians who are trying a lot of times products that are too rich. It's the spreading agents um, or using too many different serums that are maybe not working together or just kind of creating that inflammation. So that was so interesting. That's
0: so interesting. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that before, but that makes so much sense because we are our own guinea pigs. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, Tess. I'm sure you're the same. I try everything on myself, especially before I put it on a client. So that makes complete sense.
1: Yeah. And it's like you want to try different things and be in the know. And even at the skincare show, I walked away with like four new... Products, and you have to remember they're all very active, professional grade products. So, yeah, I shouldn't be trying a ton of things at once. I don't know if you've seen that meme that's like me test patching products, and, it, and the person's like pouring it sounds <laughs> like that yeah. is me, so. We're we can, we always
0: tell our clients, like, introduce one product at a time so that you know if you have a reaction what you're reacting to yet when I go home from a show I've got a whole (laughs) product routine
1: that I'm using legitimately and you get excited but I just have to tone it down especially since I I use retin-a um so that was really fun seeing a bunch of classmates this is the last thing I'll mention was just so fun because it's so cool to hear like their favorites. Everyone's so passionate about the lines they use, and they're ones I've never I'd never heard of skin scripts. Um, so that was interesting hearing how people are incorporating different things for add-ons. like my one of my best friends from school does lashing and she's utilizing the saluma LED so people can get like a decollete treatment while she does her lashes. like such oh, a creative. Cool service so yeah just talking to people it was great to see them and also just hear what everyone else is doing
0: oh that's awesome yeah that sounds like so much fun I can't wait to go to another show I think they're just so beneficial in so many
1: ways I know we need to go together yes that would be amazing would be the best because I was alone out there and it was there's so much to do it's not awkward at any point but it would be nice to have a buddy yeah for sure for
0: sure. Well, my weekly high, or my high from last week, was um, I guess it's from last weekend. I, this is more on a personal note, I went to um, New York City last weekend for a wedding for my old college roommate. And it was just, um, you're talking about like reconnecting with your old uh, schoolmates. And this is yeah. kind of how I felt as well. I was like so happy to see her. I don't think I had seen her since we graduated from UCLA. So it was so awesome to see her on the other coast. And it was a beautiful wedding. And Just so much fun. But it was like go, go, go from the second I got there. I didn't – I got there on Friday, never got my invitation to the rehearsal dinner, so I didn't know that I was invited. And I found out 30 minutes before the rehearsal dinner started that I was invited So when I was like sitting at a restaurant. So I had to like hustle back to my hotel, didn't bring a cocktail dress for the dinner at all. And so I had to borrow one. It was just like, from there, it was just total chaos. So much fun, but so busy. So I'm happy for this weekend to be a three-day weekend and be a little more relaxed.
1: Yeah, you can get yourself together. Just the
0: pace of life in New York is so fast. Oh my gosh, it's so chaotic. I go there a lot for work these days. And every time I go, it's just like, it's such a fun city. But as soon as I leave, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can breathe now. Because yeah, the whole city just in general is so
1: fast-paced. Same. I'm so attracted to it, and I used to do internships when I was younger there, and really envision myself there. But it's just like it. I don't know. I'm such a California girl. Like it wears yeah. me down a little bit. But it's so much fun to visit.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I know it's fun to visit. I could never personally live there. There's just not enough like space. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: takes a special person, I think. So yeah, exactly. Shout out to all the people who live in New York. And just <laughs> thrive on that because. We love our New York people. I know. I'm like, I need my space. I need my no line at Trader Joe's. Like, but anyhow, I digress. (laughs) Let's get into our topic of the podcast today. So today we're going to be talking about things we didn't learn in school. And I think this was just an interesting topic for us now that we're a little bit more seasoned in our careers. I learned something new every day. And it's, it's a short span of time, Lauren and I both spent 600 hours in the state of California going to SD school. And it's really, for us, we felt like it just kind of skims the surface. And there's so much you learn after. So we want to highlight a few of the key things that we have learned after school. Do you want to kick this off? Or should I? I'll start.
0: So, my my biggest one that I felt like I feel like there's so many things that you don't learn in school. I felt like when I went to school, the, there were three main things that we focused on. And remember, when I went to school, I think this was in 2010. So, <laughs> it was quite a long time ago, but um but my three main focuses that I felt we really focused on in school was sanitation, which of course is important. Um and then just basic facial um protocol just how to do a facial, how to touch a person, how to um just go through the steps of a very basic signature facial. Um mm-hmm. or I guess four things because waxing and then the other thing was um state board. So I felt like we um focused mainly on those four things and from there the majority of my learning was what happened after school. So my first thing that I wanted to touch on was there wasn't any emphasis in school on how to build and how to understand the emotional um, connection that you have with the person when they are on your treatment table. And I think that when someone is... Laying down on that treatment table, and you don't totally understand it until you've done it yourself. But when you're laying on that treatment table, it's a very vulnerable position to be in. And you know, not that you're at the mercy of your esthetician by any means, but it's just you know, you have someone working on your face, and that doesn't happen pretty much in any aspect of our life, um, you know, other than in a facial. You know, when does somebody touch your face? Okay, if you go to the dermatologist. Um, Or if you go and get a facial, I can't think of any other way, maybe acupuncture. But um, so it's a very vulnerable place to be in. And I found that when I was practicing, there were so many people who would come in and just almost have a really like emotional experience on the table. And they would... I, I used to joke that it became like a therapy session, like people would open up and they talk about, especially when you're talking about your skin, if that's a vulnerable you know, issue for you, if you feel self-conscious about it and you're talking about your skin, you really have to trust that person. So I think that just the emotional component of being an esthetician and treating people wasn't, for me at least, touched on at all. What do you think, Tess?
1: Yeah, there were a few clients, like a few very special clients I still remember in school, but just not to the to the degree it is when you're working um, at a job. And like you said, I think it's such a unique thing. And that's really the beauty of the career. Like there's very few careers where you're actually licensed to touch a person, let alone their face. And people have a history with their skin. They tend to feel like they know what they're reactive to. So I think spending the time in the beginning to – let them tell their story and and be listening and nodding and letting them know that you're really hearing them is so important to connecting in the treatment room
0: completely i couldn't agree more it's just it's just way more of an emotional experience than than i think you would even understand just by looking at it on the surface and it also can be emotional for the esthetician as well i just I remember feeling. I consider myself an empath, and when someone would be, you know, laying on my table and I would be working on them, if they're telling me all these, all these emotional things about themselves, whether it be skin related or not. I, I once had a girl tell me that, um, you know, we got on the topic of hormones and all this stuff, and and she ended up telling me that she um, had recently had an abortion, and this was like so many years ago, but she had recently had an abortion, and she hadn't told anybody. I was literally the first person she had ever told about this. Not even her family, not even the guy that she was seeing. Like it was, it was really like, and I guess the guy she was seeing, it wasn't like they were, had gone on just like a few dates. So it wasn't like a boyfriend, but anyways, I was the only person that she had told. And like for her to tell me that, to open up, to be so vulnerable about it was just like, it becomes I don't want to say taxing, but it becomes very or can be very heavy on yourself. You have to know how to protect yourself in that environment and not take too many things to heart. Because I found that I started doing that and just like really taking everybody's emotions in and taking their experiences in and putting them on myself. And so it's very emotional, I think, just for both people. And it kind of sounds like, you know, like I'm saying that it's a therapy crying session. It's not, but it's just, you know, it just is a very vulnerable and open scenario.
1: No, it's true. And Lauren, you are one of those people who feels things so deeply, whether it's like animal cruelty, like you just have the the biggest heart. So it makes so much sense. You would say that. And I, a lot of times I'll like sage the room just because whether good or bad energy, like sometimes you really do need to clear it. And sometimes I feel like the energy can stay in the room. And I think the challenge is when you have to really move forward with your day and sometimes like you'll get in these conversations where you're very invested and you have to move on and take the next person maybe you're seeing five or six people there and it's it's I'd say it's just a balancing act learning how to manage the clock and what you need to do to get through your day and be efficient alongside being that person that people feel comfortable with and opening up to it's and it's I think something people sense about you so I think the career kind of chooses certain people because it takes that type of special person for people to want to like to so yeah definitely absolutely and it's I think it's also you owe
0: every client your like a clean slate, basically. Oh, yes. I mean, it's like when you walk into a store and there's, you know, an employee who clearly is having a bad day for whatever reason, you can feel that. And you don't want to put that, put your previous treatment into your current treatment. You know what I mean? You don't want to bring that energy. So I, I love that idea about saging the room. That's such an amazing idea.
1: Yeah. I learned it from Andrea. She does it all the time. Um, who, Andrea is my boss. But... Yeah, I think that's so, so true. And you want to give everyone your undivided attention, a clean sleep, like you said. And I think another thing that it's so easy to slip into is the SD autopilot, where it's it's very easy if you are doing a lot of facials day in and day out to kind of just, you know, get in the swing of things, like honestly. A lot of times it feels like you could give the facial with your eyes closed, but you never want your client to feel that. So I think the active listening is really important and just staying in the moment, like feeling everything you're touching and um, just being aware. Yeah. Just being super connected. I think that's so the autopilot
0: thing. Oh my gosh. It's so easy, especially towards the end of your day to, to get into that autopilot and to just you know, go through the motions, but it's so imperative, even if you have to cut your day short and, you know, say only do four facials in a day, five facials in a day, you know, cut that day short just to make sure that every single client gets your 100% because you're doing them a disservice if you're not giving them that.
1: Yeah. And they can, they can sense it. Like you are not fooling you and they know. And so, yeah, I always say do it with passion or don't do it at all because people can sense it and they, remember it. And I think as SDs, we need to remember, like people put this on their calendar, they look forward to it, it's an hour, they're able to disconnect from their phones and their family and whatnot, and just have that time for themselves. So I always try to remind myself of how special it is to someone. And I get so excited when I have a facial on the books. Like I look, I really look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a
0: great reminder is just for everyone out there, just remember how important This appointment is for your client. You know what I mean. It's it's so important to them, and it's such like something that they look forward to. So always remembering that I think is a great way to keep yourself in that moment.
1: Yeah. All right. Well said.
0: So what's yours, Tess? What's your next one?
1: Okay. I think my one of the main things I'm learning about every day, and it's a very complex topic. So I try to take as many outside classes on it as I can, and just soak in as much knowledge as I can from different experts. Um, And that is acne. I feel like in school, we, you learn about it from a, a textbook perspective, but we didn't really dive into the fact that there's like four major types of acne. Two of them, blackheads and whiteheads can be extracted easily. And then you have your papules and your pustules, which I think it just requires a little bit more experience and knowing what can even be extracted. If there's a lot of inflammation around it, you don't want to spread the bacteria. So I think knowing when you have to tell people this actually can't be extracted, like I know you came in for to get rid of this problem, but let's dig a little deeper. Sometimes it's things like your laundry detergent or dryer sheets that have lye, or a really high sugar, fat diet, it can be hormonal, it can be, you know, not cleansing properly after the gym, I have a lot of, I think in San Francisco, it's so fitness and fast paced, focused as a lifestyle, a lot of people are going to the gym not bringing their skincare with them, rushing to the next thing, rushing to dinner, maybe just using a makeup wipe or something that's going to exacerbate the problem. So I try to really spend the time when I'm dealing with acne to dive into other things and assess when it's something I can take care of and when it's something that maybe they need to do a little bit more homework as far as the home care and how they're treating their skin.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think acne, like you said, oh my gosh, it is such a complex topic that, you know, I had the same experience that it was, it was touched upon in school, but it wasn't, you know, you didn't get that full in-depth, um, explanation or learning about the different types of acne, how to treat them, how to properly extract, how to tell your clients, you know, if they're going to extract, wrap your fingers in some tissue, like, because everyone does it, (laughs) like, no matter how, how much you drive it to your client, like do not pick it home, you know they're going to. So you have to like tell them, don't do it. But if you absolutely cannot control yourself, wrap your yeah. fingers in some tissue, like put that tool away. I don't want to see a tool in anybody's yeah. house, you know, because that's just like a recipe for disaster. But um, right. yeah, there's just so much about acne and like different products that aren't, you know, that aren't talked about, such as, I mean, we all know Proactive and yeah whatever is just like it's just none of that stuff is good and there's just there's so much to it that I, I almost feel like you could do a whole 600 hours just on acne
1: oh legitimately and even just at the show like I'm a working esthetician but I learn new things every day Mark Lees was talking about how you must if you are dealing with an acne problem you must be treating the skin with AHAs and BHAs So your lactic, your malic, your tartaric, and then your benzoyl and your salicylic, you have to be treating the skin with those things to dissolve the congestion within the pores. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of holding the cells together. Otherwise, it's just going to be a vicious cycle. And your client's going to be coming back to you saying, my skin looked great a couple days after the facial. But I just keep getting in this cycle where... The acne comes up in the same or very similar places. So, yeah, that's something you can reinforce your client and use to um, boost your sales, but also really give them the best service long term.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because if you're not recommending that home care and if they're not taking it home, they're truly doing a disservice to themselves because. It's, I mean, I always tell people, it's like going to the gym. If you go see a trainer once a month, but you don't work out on your own, you're just not going to see any results. So I think that's so important to, that you have to get them on the right home care. And another thing for that is that they have to, once their acne is gone, they cannot just go to a cleanser and a moisturizer. Like you can't kind of back off on it. You have to stay up on it in order for... It to stay at bay because you're still gonna have that acneic type skin. It's just how our skin is. And I am one of those people. I have acneic type skin, which is Myself um, included. Yeah. That's like why I got into aesthetics in the first place, is having dealt with cystic acne as a teenager for so long that um, you know, as an adult, I still am using um quote unquote acne products. So it just never stops. You just have to continue, you have to and you have to be consistent with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably use them until our 40s. Like a a lot of the clients I see are females in their 20s and 30s um, or teens, but people who never had an acne problem and now the hormone fluctuations kick in and we're living different lifestyles. So you have to be in tune with that. Um, And I guess I think that kind of leads to my next thing we didn't learn so much in school, which is the sales. And... I think it's something in SD school, everyone's just a little bit nervous about because, and it's still a balancing act working at Derma Plus because there are those people who are not going to budge and you you don't want to come across as pushy. So it's a delicate balance of learning different personalities. And I think, of course, we it's always, like we say, a disservice not to recommend product most people can leave with, with a new cleanser and the and the right moisturizer for their skin, but it's it's a balance. Learning to recommend home care, and even on the on the opposite end, there's the people who want to buy a ton of stuff and are so excited to do to do a little haul. But I think even with that, you have to do the right thing and say let's start with the basics. Let's start with the cleanser, possibly a toner and a moisturizer and a sunscreen, of course. And we can save the serums and the scrubs and the masks for a couple visits in because the skin isn't readily going to absorb those things anyhow. If it's not, it doesn't have a strong foundation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of ties into what we were saying in the beginning about you when you're creating a, a routine for someone and, and introducing new products, you need to be pretty strategic in the way that you do it, because you're going to have those people who want to buy everything. And that's amazing. We That's what we want. However, they're going to want to go home and use every single thing that night. <laughs> and and yeah. that, that could, in itself could be a disservice because they could have a reaction, they could, but not know what it's from if they've tried four new products. So I, I would often get that a lot people coming in and saying, well, I started all these new things, but now I'm breaking out and I'm like, okay, so here's what we got to do. we got to stop everything and then introduce <laughs> one thing at a time and just see how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a fine balance and you do have those two people of like someone who is very, very, very cautious. And I, I'm like that myself a lot of times. You know, if I go somewhere, you know, say if I go to get my hair done and they're recommending this product for me and this product for me, I'm the person that's like, no, 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 no. I don't like an impulse buy let me like, I'll come back or I'll Google it, whatever. So you have those people, but then you also have the people who just want to buy everything. So you have to find that balance. And I think as estheticians, we don't, we, we don't see ourselves as salespeople. That's not our passion. Our passion is skin. And of course with that comes home care. And I want, I want all my friends, my mom, my sister, everybody in my life on really great home care, but you don't want to feel like you're pushing something on somebody. So I think, yeah, finding that balance, but also being good and being passionate and, um, you know, conveying that message of this is incredibly important for you. I'm not trying to, you know, push you to buy something you don't need, but just conveying the importance in a very casual type of way, I think is is a really great, like in between, you kind of have to strive for that, for that balance.
1: Absolutely. And I think we have to remember if they're not buying these products from you. They're going to be buying it from somewhere else like Sephora or the drugstore. And yeah, it is just an art of learning how to recommend things Mm -hmm. almost as your doctor would. It's prescribing things in a custom fashion that is really going to benefit them. So
0: yeah, exactly. And I mean, having having a, a skincare line in your whether it's your private practice or the spot in which you work if you don't own it having a really great line is such an asset to you because you don't have to do you don't have to play the game of okay let me write down you need a cleanser with this this and this go to and try to find it or you need a moisturizer with this this and this check out sephora they have a couple of good things like if you can just hand it to them make their lives easier and just you know, and even just give them a little prescription pad. That's what I used to do um, is like, I would write down, this is what I would recommend from you from what we sell, no pressure to buy anything, but keep this. Even if you get the cleansing today, keep this. And then you'll know what you need to purchase next time. Or when you're ready, you can come back and you'll always know what was recommended.
1: That's the perfect way to put it. So it's not pushy. You're leaving it up to them. It's in their control. I think writing things down really helps because you might have the person who's doing almost everything right but then they're using their vitamin C at night or god forbid some sort of habche oh god or something like a retinol in the morning right and so i think just really being specific helps because they probably don't know what to use oh no no they have
0: they, there's it, we take for granted i think sometimes just our knowledge of things um, because it's, it's so second nature to us at this point. Um, But yeah, we kind of take advantage of that, but yeah, they don't know there's um, I have a friend bless her heart. She took her mom's um, Zoe skincare um, 1% retinol and thought it was a moisturizer and put, I mean, put so much all over her skin. And she calls me like, I think it was like a week after she did it. And she's like, so I put this thing on and now my whole face is peeling and I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I know bless her heart. It was because she went from, you know, not using any retinol at all to putting like four serving sizes on her face at once. So yeah, people just don't know. And to me, that's like, and of course, but you have to really understand the, where they're coming from and that they, they didn't go to school for this. They don't, they might be super knowledgeable just based on their own research, but they might not be. So you have to, you have to kind of gauge that.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times the people who are doing their own research, the people who think they're really savvy come in with a whole routine Oftentimes they're the people you need to kind of break down specifically the routine and probably dial a few things back. I know it's really common for people who deal with acne to be on, you know, two or three topicals from their germ and be taking spironolactone and be using a glycolic little peel pad and all these things. So yeah, sometimes just knowing when to dial things back. But exactly.
0: Yeah. And this kind of this kind of segues perfectly into my next one is yeah. Like when we were in school, I never learned about the link between diet and lifestyle and the skin. There, no, that was just I don't know, and I guess maybe this is more of a, a newer age thing. Again, I went to school in 2010, so maybe this is just something new that's coming up. But I think that there is there are few things, if anything, that's more important. Than understanding the relationship between what you put in your body and what your skin is doing, I mean your skin is basically a mirror to the to your insides, and if you are eating you know something that you well i mean obviously if you're eating hamburgers and taco bell all the time, your skin is going to show it, but also it could be something as simple as being intolerant to a certain food such as tomatoes or Um, For a lot of people, as we know, for acne, it's dairy. Dairy is a massive contributor to acne. So, but it also could be something that is seen as quote unquote healthy, but for someone they can't tolerate.
1: Oh yeah. That's, and the people who love cheese, I think are the hardest to get through to because people really love it. And a lot of people really love their wine, but it's, it can be a big problem in terms of inflammation and the things that are added. Like with dairy, it, it's usually the added hormones that create the problem with wine. It's the added sugars, mm-hmm. um, and the way it's farmed, but it's, yeah. So I think it definitely requires a deep dive and that's, it's important to talk about. And of course we never want to come across as preachy since we're not doctors, but I think it's, it's important to tap into and to just like suggest it in a way where people don't feel like you're preaching at them. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of clients come in and say, I didn't like my old esthetician because she wouldn't stop bugging me about cheese. And sometimes it's, it's people's one joy in life and it's not one joy, but it's like the one thing they really, really love to. Like for me, it's coffee and I'm trying to get a steer away from it now, but it can be a bit of an emotional attachment. And I've started to talk to this person about cheese as well, because it, it can't be something I ignore, because I think it causes a lot of problems for her in the cheek area, which tends to reflect the digestion, the cheek and the jawline. Um, but it's just, it's the way you approach it, the way you say things. So yeah. sometimes I'll suggest, yeah, maybe if you wanted to to cut it out for two weeks, just see if it does something life-changing and amazing. If you really like how you're feeling, maybe it's something you continue with. So I think it's all in the approach, but so important. Yeah. And I think that's, I think you're spot on with that test that you,
0: I feel like when you, when you say that to someone, it's like, you don't want to give them that like life or death ultimatum. It's like, you know, if someone's considering going vegetarian or something and they think about it as, I will never be able to have this again. I'll never be able to have, you know, my favorite meal from whatever restaurant ever again, that like, that's overwhelming, because it is a joy for a lot of people when they think about food and what they're eating. Like for me too, I love food. A lot of like what I do revolves around food. So if someone were to tell me I could never have my favorite dessert ever again, or my favorite, whatever, that's exhausting to think about. But if you say, cut it out, see how you feel, and then you can make an educated decision for yourself. You can know the pros and the cons. And I think generally, for the most part, once people experience how good they feel, once they've cut out whatever they're intolerant to, they it's a much easier process for them to to cut it out for a longer term. You know what I mean? But But positioning it as just try it out, see how you feel, and then you can make an educated decision going forward. I, that's like the ideal scenario. So don't be too hard on everybody. It's hard to give up cheese. We all right. Love cheese.
1: Right. And I think another thing worth mentioning is kind of like the intake form and knowing the reason people are coming to you. Sometimes they're just there to relax and they don't want to hear you talk at all. I'm not really a believer in like a totally silent facial, at least where I work. Of course, we want it to be relaxing in a way for you to decompress, but I don't think I can really go through a facial and do extractions or peels or even approach those things if we don't have a conversation about what they're using, exactly what their lifestyle is, and what their goals are. If they have to pick one thing, what what's the main thing they would want to address, so I think just knowing what they're coming in for is really important. And also including a section for like, are you open to learning about new products? So that way you can just kind of save yourself from the the situation if someone were to tell you like they basically don't want to hear it. I think just knowing their intentions and their goals is really helpful yeah definitely that intake form is especially on a first client
0: is everything and also renewing the the intake form after a year Mm -hmm. or six months if you've been working with someone consistently just redoing it just to keep updated records I think is also really important but yeah I used to live and die by that intake form I wouldn't I wouldn't (laughs) let anybody in my room without it
1: good you shouldn't Yeah. And I always, even if it's a returning client, I always say, like, give me the update. Like, what's your morning and nighttime routine looking like right now for your skin? Like, has anything major changed? Because a lot of times there is something. Yes. Yeah. And it could be something yeah. as simple as,
0: you know, maybe they've gone through a stressful event in their life. Like, as we know, stress wreaks havoc on your skin. So it could be something as simple as that, as they changed jobs or they moved houses. And maybe that's why they're experiencing a few more breakouts, like in their forehead area right now, or they have a rash on their neck or something. Like there's just so many little things that could happen in between each appointment that, yeah, I think it's really important to just keep updated.
1: Yes. Or changing of the IUD or they're having digestion issues. issues. Like it is also linked. So I think the more, information you can get, the better you're able to provide the services. And I guess that I will just kind of lead into my next topic, which is knowing how to guide your client and having that confidence to let somebody know when perhaps the service they are really excited about coming in for maybe isn't the best fit for them. An example I can think of is microdermabrasion. It's still, people think of it as this really great opportunity for physical exfoliation. I think things are kind of slowly replacing microderm. So I think there's newer technologies that are possibly a little bit more gentle that I'm personally more excited about. I know there's a place for it, but a lot of times people who might have rosacea, a lot of telangiectasia, redness in the skin come in and they want this great exfoliation. You have to have the confidence yourself to be able to tell them it's not going to be the best option for you. Right. I don't think you've had experiences, Lauren, with, with kind of steering people away from things. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think, and I mean, to your point about microdermabrasion tests, I used to do a lot of micro back in the day. Um, and I used to always do crystal microdermabrasion because I felt like I had a good mm-hmm. control over it and I could really adjust things and I didn't feel like it was quite so harsh on the skin with the exception of you know you have to do it on super dry skin and the, and the pulling and everything however when I tried diamond tip for the first time oh my god I thought I was like the fucking skin off I was like I don't know how anyone does diamond tip microdermabrasion and maybe I was, it was user error or something, but I just couldn't stand the feeling of it. Cause I really felt like I was doing more damage to their skin than good. And yeah, I think that staying on top of that and just, you know, kind of learning to say no to somebody. Cause of course, I mean, someone comes in with Cupero skin and they've got rosacea or whatever, and they feel like they need a good exfoliation. Cause I hear that from a lot of um, yeah. clients you know, cause they tend to break out and being able to, to kindly tell them like, you know, I, I understand your need and your concern and why you feel that way. But I think that, um, you know, a, a different type, like a really gentle enzyme will give you a little bit of an exfoliation and it'll achieve what you're looking for, but it's going to be less inflammatory on your skin. So, and I actually have a really a kind of a crazy story about this. So, you know, oh. back when I was practicing, this, this woman came in to see me and she, um, had a lot of melasma and she, um, she was requesting that I do, um, a glycolic peel, um, a microdermabrasion, a oxygen treatment, and then also, um, a strong like retinol treatment, like a leave on overnight retinol treatment. And I was like, Oh my God. Absolutely not. Like I can't leave her like that. She's going to get more melasma from this, like more, you know, post-inflammatory. And so I just remember trying to have that conversation with her and I was just trying to tell her like, you know, I, I, I understand what you're looking for and I understand what you need. However, melasma is such a tricky, tricky beast that you cannot go too aggressive with it. You have to be really gentle. And I mean, not to mention she had Fitzpatrick type three or four, skin. So I was like, I'm not going to leave her so inflamed that she gets more. Pigment. So I had to have this conversation with her and tell her that basically I'll do one of the four things that she wanted. And, um, she fought back on me. She was like, you know, my old esthetician, she used to do this for me and everything was great. And I'm going to go back to her. And it was just, it was a really uncomfortable experience, but it was, it was one where I learned to really stand my ground because every esthetician has their signature and they have their own way of doing things. They have their own experience. And so if she has another esthetician that, you know, has a way to do all four of those things combined and, and it will help her skin and not create more inflammation, then maybe she is better suited to go to that esthetician. So I think that really like learning to stand your ground, knowing what you're comfortable doing and don't let someone bully you into doing something just because you're concerned about upsetting them. They will be more upset if they leave with a chemical burn
1: than if you tell them no. Oh yes. And you did, you did the right thing. It's, it's hard. And sometimes it's just like, well, I don't know. Maybe if, if she really did have this amazing esthetician, who's doing all those things, why is it? She's still seeing her. Is she even using like a vitamin C at home? I think there's so many ways to approach it. And I think like you suggested, like suggesting something else, not leaving them feeling like they're getting gypped or not what they want, but you can almost phrase it in a way where you give them a better alternative. Like a lot of times I'll say, I have a new ultrasonic spatula. I think it's really great newer technology. It offers really gentle exfoliation. We'll get some congestion out as well with it. So you know, I think that will be way more suited to your skin type and a little bit more beneficial for you. So just framing it in a positive way. But yeah, yeah. You know, kind of people are tricky and you you did the right thing. So and I think those times when you don't listen to yourself, like and you you go ahead and do what somebody asked when you – it was against your better judgment. Those are the times you really – regret and are hard on yourself yeah. because you knew. Better. Yeah,
0: definitely. And you can always tell someone like, let's start slow. Let's start with you. You're building a relationship with that person. Like when someone comes to you for the first time, you have no idea how their skin is going to react to anything that you do. Really. You could get kind of get an idea based on looking at them doing the cleanse, but truly, I mean, you know, you could put something on and they could just, you know, react just get really red and maybe it's not inflammation that's just how their skin is it just it just really depends and so you're building that relationship you don't want to go too hardcore and you can always tell them like let's start slow let's start with this and then next time we can add this um you know we'll see how your skin reacts you just really have to build that relationship and that trust with that person and i mean i think it's it's also a point to be made that that not every esthetician is suited for every client and vice versa. You know what I mean? There might be someone who just completely disagrees with the way that you do things and they want, you know, everything all at once. And then there might be someone who's like, you know, a little fearful and they don't want to do anything to their skin. They just want the basics, but you know they could benefit from something a little stronger. So I think just building that relationship and creating that trust between you and the client is, is so imperative.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the hallmark of a good esthetician, somebody who isn't afraid to let the client know what's in their best interest. And I think just really explaining what you're going to do and why is so important in terms of setting the expectation. Sometimes somebody may expect, because they've seen another esthetician, a 25-minute long extraction, and maybe yours is a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um I think the way you avoid that disappointment at the end, and you can even turn it into a really positive experience because I've had those challenging clients too, who come in wanting the microderm and somehow we turn it into a a better service for them and they leave really happy. It's just about explaining and setting the expectation, letting somebody know if they're going to be a bit raised or inflamed after you do what you do, just so nobody is surprised I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this actually kind of leads into my next point or my last point is um, educating clients. Um, I didn't feel like I got that much education myself on how to educate someone. So I think that you know this kind of ties into our whole conversation just about being so open with your clients and explaining to them not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it and what you're sending them home with why you're sending it home with them? Why it will work for them? Why what they're currently using isn't great for them? You really have to be super open and honest. And I think that there's, um, you know, there there can be a fine line where a lot of people might think, well, I don't want to educate them too much because I don't want them to think that they don't need me anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that, but but there's nothing there's nothing worse than a client leaving and not knowing what they got, why they got it you know, you have to educate them so that they know better for themselves. Because again, they see you once a month, hopefully, you know, and maybe it's even less than that. So if they're not feeling like they're gaining education and really benefiting from your services, if they're not understanding the intricacies and as to why you're doing what you're doing and how they're benefiting, then it's, it's kind of a missed opportunity.
1: Extremely true. And I think just setting the tone and kind of letting them know that you have like a bit of a plan for them, whether it's just gradually increasing the strength of peels over time or slowly introducing new products to address their concern. And I think that's another thing, really understanding what they're there for um, is going to make them the happiest in the end. One of my mentors I see who's a specialist in acne, he always talks about how somebody may have an acne problem to you but if if that's not a concern to them they don't have an acne problem so right just being on the same page as far as what you are kind of there to do yeah. and going to achieve for them yeah
0: exactly kind of a funny story my the um our waxing teacher when I was in school she was so funny she said something similar to that but on the waxing side of things she said you know if you're doing someone's eyebrows and you notice they have you know some dark upper lip hairs do not ever ask if you can wax that unless they have requested it because you might see a mustache they might not see a mustache and you don't want to give someone an insecurity that they don't already have
1: no it's so true and sometimes you don't want to learn everything that's wrong with your face in a treatment so and i think that's one thing you kind of learn in school because as you're doing the skin analysis i think it's very for very easy for estheticians to they're just trying to kind of speak on what they've just learned and what they're excited about. But they'll be like, you have, you know, dehydration here and pigment here and um, collagen loss here and all these things yeah. Yeah. here. And it's just like, shoo, I don't want to leave feeling bad about myself. I think a smart thing to do is ask them what is one thing if we can improve together? Like, what is that for you? And sometimes maybe like having them hold a mirror and point out what is bothering them. Um, that can help a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just maintaining
0: that open line of communication and it's, it's like you said, like how could we ever do a facial that's completely silent because there's just so much to be talked about and there's so much to learn. Um, and yet keeping that open communication with your client and letting them, I think there's a fine balance between letting them guide the conversation in a way that they're telling you, what issues they have and then you need to kind of take the reins and say okay this is this is how we're going to approach this but with you know you don't want to create any more insecurities for them you don't want to say okay i see this this and this you want them to tell you that so that you know that you are giving them the best service that they um then they feel like you are you're addressing everything that they are concerned with
1: Yeah, exactly. And then everyone's happy when you can kind of work on something together. And yeah, not being fearful. It's like when you go to a hairstylist, hopefully, they don't let you go blonde in an hour or two if you have darker black hair. Like you, and you in turn end up trusting someone who's going to not be afraid to tell you what doesn't work for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap this up. We touched on a lot. So let us know in your reviews if you have any further questions for us on this topic as far as what more we learned outside of school. But I think that's a great place to end. Yep. Sounds
0: great. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. I can't wait for our next one. Um, And yeah, let us know what you guys think. And if you have, and if there's something that you guys maybe didn't learn in school that you think
1: is really important, let us know. Yeah, let us know because every school is so different. So we'd love to hear more about your experiences. But thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Bye.